Americans got to hear from the 20-year-old Taliban fighter in an interview conducted the first week in December. He'd recently surrendered after a prison uprising and was interviewed by author Robert Pelton. How long have you been in Afghanistan? Mr. Pelton, good morning. Good morning. When you first came in contact with John Walker, what, what shape was he in? What condition was he in? Well, he was in pretty bad shape. There were 18 fighters that had been pulled out of the prison that were seriously wounded. And uh, when I opened the door to the hospital, the stench of sort of uh, just people that had been in the basement for seven days with dead bodies was pretty overpowering. He had been bombed. They had put water in the basement of that prison. They had gassed the prison. Were you surprised that an American was so willing to endure such hardship in a fight against other Americans? Yeah, I think I was. Um, I've been with another American in a jihad in Chechnya, but I was surprised to see what uh, Walker had gone through. Um, there were a number of people who had died in the bunker, and he was one of 86 uh, people left. Let me play you a small, very small portion of your interview with him and ask you about it on the other end. Was your goal to be Shaheed or murdered? Yes, the goal of every Muslim. Was this the right cause or the, the right exactly what I thought it would be? I mean, was it, was it a good cause? Like, 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 yeah. It's a little difficult to understand, Mr. Pebble. Hello, yes, and welcome to another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe. You're Joe. I'm and Nick. With me, I beat you finally, to it. yes, is Nick. Yeah, I what beat is, you to it, remember? What is crackling? Right. My bacon. Is that a good intro? <laughs> <laughs> what? Is that a good intro? I don't know. I like bacon. I'm a fan of bacon. Anyway, Nick is finally back to us. Thank Christ. From his long, horrible trip into the Californian desert. Nick, how you doing, man? I have a terrible tan. It's not good. Yeah, but you know what? It's my natural skin color, but it's not where Only it... on your face. Half of my face <laughs> and on my hands. So... Nick, you almost got kind of demoted while you were gone. Yeah. You, do you want to talk about that? Is that okay to talk about? <laughs> yeah. I got calling a false gas attack <laughs> apparently is a bad move when your sergeant major is a, I don't know. Not a, not a swell fella? Yeah, pretty much. I, I feel like that's a safe thing to say. <laughs> and I don't have to worry about being demoted. Uh, you don't. No. I... I really don't care, but I do also. It's kind of a weird situation. It's a weird knife I'm trying to go on right here. I don't blame walk you. On. Um, so, and, and the same rotation, you nearly got demoted, but also were given an award. Yes, I was. <laughs> I was given an award. I don't know why. <laughs> they called in like 80 people for a fucking award. I was like, this is a lot of fucking people. That actually happened to me once. Um, go back to I don't know Fort Knox at some time at like mm. 2007. Nice. Uh, a colonel was giving me an Bad year. An, an army achievement medal. He mm. was shaking my hand and he was like, "Why am I giving this award to you?" I said, "Sir, I don't know. I'm a private." And he just <laughs> shook my hand. I said, "All right," and he moved on by. And then I got my army achievement medal. Nice. Yeah. So Nick, you are. What, six years younger than me? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so you missed a lot of the, or maybe you don't remember some of the, the most pertinent news stories from the beginning of our current forever war as, as, yeah, as a name a that's gathered. Have you ever heard of John Walker Lind? 
John Walker Lind. He is now known country uh, singer as uh so that's John Walker, which made Google searching this a bitch. Uh, he is also known as the American Taliban. That's not a country singer. No. Well, it's a country, and he probably <laughs> sang things. Um, so because it seems like I can't seem to do a single fucking story in a single American in the modern age, it does not lead back to your state of California. We're talking about California again. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so John Walker Lind, or as we will be calling him, because this is what he calls himself, John Walker, was born in 1981 in Washington, D.C. to Marilyn Walker and Frank Lind. Uh, he was the middle child of three. And uh, fun fact, he was actually named after John Lennon, the Beatle. Uh, really? Yeah, which will become more ironic as the story progresses. Uh, yeah. That's pretty cool. If only he followed the uh, the John Lennon venue of just doing mm, a ton of yeah. LSD and beating his wife, he probably wouldn't be in jail today. Oh, yeah, a lot of not a lot of people know that about John Lennon. He was a horrible person. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, he abuses child and his wife, and I do know he got shot. He did get shot. Yeah, as like the least worst thing to happen to John Lennon's family. <laughs> <laughs> um, so John Walker was uh so unlike a lot of people walker uh so uh, we cover a lot of individuals and a lot of those people come from weird backgrounds you know what i'm saying like from the beginning whether it be uh if we go all the way back to our first episode we talk about uh luigi cadorna his good dad one. good one got him his job if we talk about uh Hague, his dad kind of got him his job because he's rich another good one um, you know, they come from backgrounds that either elevate them or just abuse them terribly. John Walker isn't that guy. John Walker had a very boring background. He was not poor. He was not abused. And his family was mostly functional, which is more than either one of us can say. Yeah. <laughs> so middle class? We're talking upper, definitely oh, upper middle upper, class? Upper middle class. With I, a... A functioning family. So his dad, Frank, was actually an attorney for the U.S. Department of Justice in D.C. Oh, they're doing good. They're doing pretty okay. Um, his mother was a nurse, which in modern times means a lot of money. I don't know what they made back yeah, then. I don't know about back then, but now. Um, but still solid. He was a bit of a sickly kid to the point that like he couldn't attend public school. Um, so he's homeschooled for a bit. Oh, bubble not, boy. Not like the whole time, but... When he was little, you know, when most people think that you're like developing as a person uh, with, with your, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't bode well. Um, at the age of 10, his well, family decided to pick up and move to where else but Nick's People's Republic of California, I just, as some uh, people like to call it. <laughs> I imagine him as the kid that had to get his hair shaved and nobody wanted to hang out with him at the monkey bars. Is it? You're probably not wrong. He was pretty... Because that was me. He was pretty... Um, so it's interesting you say that because there's a lot of things he's that Mexican. he did. He's definitely not Mexican. He's very white. Um, there's a lot of things that he did that I totally identify with as a teen myself. Um, now, the difference between us is I never went and fought for the Taliban. <laughs> um, pretty defining difference, I guess. But um, So once he got to California, his... Uh, Pretty much everybody he got in contact with, to include his parents, thought he was a bit of a strange introvert. 
but a good humored guy that could laugh at himself, which is something any good introvert yeah. could use. Like to include myself, one of my one of my favorite things I like doing is la- and making jokes at my own expense. I think we both like doing. Yeah, that. like if you scroll through my Twitter feed, you'd probably think I need like deep seated like therapy, and you wouldn't be wrong. But also, I think it's funny. That's, that's how you get along when very you true. don't have health care. Um, he liked to laugh and make jokes at his own expense constantly. Um, so eventually his health improved and he was able to enroll at a normal high school at the age of 14. And since you're in California, I'll tell you which high school it is. Maybe it'll ring a bell. It is Redwood High School. In northern, Not the slightest bell. In, in Northern California. I never crossed the SoCal border until I was an adult. No, nah, it's probably for the best. Otherwise, you become a terrorist, apparently. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was so, just exposed to tacos. I mean, that's the best thing any of us can hope for. Tacos are pretty great. Yeah, they were fucking amazing. And whatever you fucks in Texas think is a taco, go fuck yourself. Right. I've never thought I've had to say this before, but in the defense of Texas, breakfast tacos are great. They are good. Because that's the only place I've had them before. As, as a lily white dude who grew up in Detroit, breakfast tacos... relatively new thing for me really yeah i mean those things i mean i'm sure they exist somewhere up north but like they weren't open all the time like christian's in san antonio is is some of the best tacos (laughs) i've ever had in my life (laughs) what the fuck that's as enunciation as my willy white ass can get (laughs) and and you know what best tacos i've ever had all right and you know they're not even paying me (laughs) to say that I won't argue that because I like breakfast tacos too. I mean, honestly, a a bad breakfast taco is a lot like sex in that even when it's bad, you're still all right with it. Well, I imagine sex really isn't that bad because, you know, guys, we train in harsh conditions. Your hand. (laughs) So... All sex is better than your hand. Oh, well. What would be the hand of breakfast tacos? Jack in the Box? No, because they're Jack tacos in the Box has breakfast bad. tacos. Do do they? Yeah. So Jack in the Box is the masturbation version of breakfast tacos. Mm. That's canon now. We can't change it. Nice. I'll take it. Hands um, are all carpeled and tunneled. Ugh. Well, I mean, with the head shaped like that, Jack didn't stand a chance. He's all Definitely it's not. all water up there. Skin up and slam it back down. <laughs> ugh. Moving forward. <laughs> So, like most of us that moved around a lot when we were kids, uh, Walker had a hard time making friends in normal high school. His teachers all noted he was uh, very smart, um, but he had a very hard time with math and science. Mm, Um, That's me. Yeah, that's me too. Fuck. Uh, Because of that, it was recommended that Walker attended uh, Temescal High School. Uh, It's a local alternative school. Fuck, that's me. Damn it. So, I'm glad I have an ally here. Uh, I don't. So, alternative school means something very different depending on what state you come from. And I feel like that's pretty important here. And maybe that's to defend myself and defend Nick or to defend our friendly neighborhood local Taliban member. But I never thought I was going to have to say this. But in the defense of John Walker Lind, alternative high schools get a bad rap. They really do. Uh, I actually finished high school in an alternative high school. Um, it was known as uh, Manly Campus. For anybody who grew up in the Metro Detroit area, it doesn't exist anymore. It got bulldozed. But um, 
It was around uh, 2005. Uh, but unlike other high schools, uh, they'd let me take the classes that I wanted to take. They let me pick them like I was in college rather than like, oh, you have to do X amount of hours doing this, X amount of hours doing that. They let me build my own high school education. Samesies. Which means for certain people like myself who are really apt in the arts or history or I don't know, whatever you did good in, probably history and the arts as well. Uh, we could skip the advanced math classes because mm-hmm. clearly I wasn't going to fucking need them. I was able to take accounting after algebra, which was great because I was able to pick if you can take it and pass, geometry yeah. and accounting. And I said, well, accounting sounds like something I'll actually need yeah. later in life. So uh, for me, and I, I spent it. an entire day reading and studying history, which is absolutely what I want to do now. And I'm 30. Um, also, I was able to graduate in a year and a half early. So go fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, Walker, it turns out, is pretty much in the same boat. Uh, he wanted to study world cultures and history. Fuck all that math bullshit. And that's where he started to uh, study Sunni Islam for the first time. Now, he wasn't studying seriously yet. He was just studying everything. And he just kind of latched on to Sunni Islam. I'm not going to go into the history of Sunni Islam. I'm just going to assume that everybody who's listening kind of has a perfunctory knowledge of the different sects of Islam. Uh, So total side note here, Uh, during his time out of school, because remember he was sickly for a while, he was homeschooled for a while, you know, he had summer vacation. There's a lot of time there. Uh, And remember he had no friends. Walker was not a popular guy. He trolled internet chat rooms. (laughs) Uh, And remember at the time frame, this is definitely AOL chat rooms. America Online for the very young in the crowd. Also, if you're so young and you're listening to us, you don't know what AOL is, maybe you shouldn't be listening to us. I feel like that's too young. I know ASL was really big. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it really was. That's a, a little bit, turn a little bit of a joke for me. So I, <sighs> okay. I trolled internet chat rooms around the same time Jen Walkerlin did. (laughs) (laughs) What were you trolling? All right. Um, Now, I'm not really... So, this is where things are going to get kind of twisted. I don't know if this is John Walkerlin's origin story or mine. Um, Because I literally did the same thing. Uh, Just so I can show my age for a second, since Nick likes to remind myself how much older... I am of him. Um, if you never had AOL Instant Messenger uh, with the chat rooms and shit, uh, so imagine it's like Reddit or Twitter, except it's live chat all the time. And um, you'd go into those chat rooms, you say really stupid shit, you troll. I mean, trolling is trolling, and trolling is eternal. Right. You say dumb shit. Um, consider ye old shit posting. Anyway, someone would eventually instant message you, which is a kind of like a somebody. If you've never used it, it's like a DM on Twitter. It's a one-on-one message, uh, and they'd eventually ask like your ASL, your age, sex, and location, which is really weird to ask somebody. Yeah, nobody does it anymore. No, because now there's <laughs> profiles, and weird. Facebook already knows where you live, and the algorithm has already hooked you up with everybody you've ever even fucking brushed shoulders with at the mall, and if you ever. Have I ever had sex with anybody? You're now mutual friends yeah. with everybody on Facebook. And you know what? The nicest thing that's happened recently is MySpace deleted all their pictures and video since like pre-2010. Yeah. 
which is like the nicest thing anybody's ever done for me. I remember probably sometime last year I was trying to get on my old MySpace because I could remember everything. I just wanted to listen to what I had on my old playlist in the fucking you page. Shouldn't. You shouldn't. Because you know what? Because I do remember putting on some uh, insane in the membrane type shit oh. on my playlist. I'm a, Honestly, I'm more shocked you had a MySpace at all. Really? Yeah. yeah. By the time by the time social media came around, you're an adult, man. Facebook is already a thing. I wasn't an adult at the time. I mean, preteen, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I so anyway, um, what I would do in these situations where somebody eventually get sick of me trolling them, uh, they would ask what my ASL is, and I would say really dumb shit. Like I'd say I'm a 99 year old broom and I live in your closet. <laughs> doesn't make any sense I thought it was the fucking cutting edge of comedy at the time fucking hilarious right it's not it's stupid anyway I'd also get like anybody who knows me I like to swear a lot it's shocking it's literally never changed bad parenting whatever um, I, I called somebody an ass butt nice I literally heard this from the Simpsons double <laughs> yeah uh huh. So at the time, if you were to connect to AOL, you were all linked to one username, and I managed to get my entire family banned from the whole internet for weeks <laughs> with Asput. With Asput, nice. Walker did much of the same thing. Um, though he would go into <laughs> chat rooms claiming to be a black guy. And a black rapper, and he would loudly criticize other people in the chat room for quote acting black and insulted. So there's you know hip hop music critics. He insulted a hip hop music critic as a quote worthless dick writer. And uh, his so he was a white guy. I I should underline right. this more. As white as I am, white as the driven snow. Fair. If you were to pick a screen name. For him to use during this, what would it be? Oh, a screen name? A screen name. What do you Ooh. think a screen name would be? Hold on. Granted, he is not quite a ravenous terrorist yet. Okay. Screen name. AOL hey, back in the day. Channel your inner suburban uh, loser. And it's not. Fuck. It's not a racial slur. It's kind of. I know. I, I definitely <laughs> wasn't swinging that way. I mean, if I'm thinking a lily white motherfucker in the suburb pretending to be black. I'm going to think he's going to be a bit racist, but he wasn't in a screen name, at least. That's why it's really hard to make a decision here. Um, oof. You ready? Please give it to me. Doo-doo. Doo-doo. How is it spelled? It's exactly how you imagine it's spelled. <laughs> His screen name was Doo-doo. That's it? Yes. <laughs> His screen name was Doo-doo. I'm getting the feeling that John Walker Lind would really fucking love Twitter. I wonder what his handle would be. Uh, doo-doo. Probably. Doo-doo at Taliban at gmail.com. Uh, so, anyway, around the age of 16, Walker watched the Spike Lee movie Malcolm X, which uh, really piqued his interest in Islam for the first time. I mean, he was studying Islam, but he never thought about uh, converting until he watched Malcolm X. So after that, he began attending a Bay Area a mosque for the first time. After a few months of studying at the mosque, he dropped out of high school. Uh, nice. Yeah, not a good idea. But uh, despite the fact that, you know, had just dropped out of fucking high school like 
for instance, like if you dropped at high school, how would your parents would have reacted? Oh, mm. not good, I assume. I know one would be definitely disappointed, and the other would say, "Ah, oh, go find a job." My mom probably would throw me out in the street. I don't yeah, know. I would assume <clears throat> his parents were surprisingly supportive. Really? Yeah. Um, after he devoted himself, no, it's not like he just dropped out and like me or you, we just like crashed on the couch and smoked weed or played video games and shit. Like he dropped out and he just went to mosque like, full time, threw himself into his new religion all the way. Um, it, it, it was his driving force. It, it literally drew driven everything he did. Um, now remember his, his parents know he's really smart. So do you think the mosque at one point said, dude, you're kind of here all the time. Can you just fucking leave? Uh, the mosque is definitely a problem, and that's for a different reason. We'll talk about it a little bit later. Because I feel like you dropping out of school to go to the mosque, how much of this time are you spending at the mosque for you to drop out of school? Now, if you substitute mosque for just about anything else, you, you, you get a pretty... Hardline origin story for almost every extremist that's existed in the U.S. since either one of us have been born. Um, he's an introvert. He doesn't have a lot of friends. He's kind of rejecting society. He doesn't have a lot of familiar support. Mm. He's finding family somewhere else. Okay. Um, you could see the same origin story in Timothy McVeigh. Um, you could see the same thing in a lot of the modern-day lone wolf attackers just online. Right. Okay. Certainly the guy who just shot up New Zealand. Yeah. Um, he was a social outcast, and he went to find support somewhere. The place that picked him up was not an AOL chat room. It was a Bay Area mosque. And this is not... I, I, I don't feel like I need to say this because people listening to us know who we are, but this is not a condemnation of Islam. This is a condemnation of people who had contact with John Walker Lind. Um, anybody can twist this shit. Right. I mean, the people who teach people to kill people in the name of Islam are just as Islamic as the Catholic people who rape children. Yes. They're not functionaries of the faith they're monsters i just feel like i need to say that just in case somebody feels like i am accidentally saying something anti-islamic or or saying something pro john walker lind yeah um i'm definitely not on either side here um it's anything else uh, a gang could have picked them up which has happened yes these things are these people aren't looking for beliefs they're not looking for aesthetic they're not looking for a message they're looking for belonging and he found his at the mosque unfortunately uh and unfortunately it was a mosque that had somebody who had a track record which we'll talk about in a little bit um so also unfortunately this is pre 911 Oh, so uh, a lot of Americans aren't thinking of Islamic terrorists. Uh, they're not thinking of any terrorists, really. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I mean, I was a child when nine eleven happened. I was in middle school. I know I certainly wasn't thinking about terrorism, but before nine eleven, most terrorism was white dudes. 
Uh, and then, you know, obviously the Twin Towers were bombed in the early 90s as well. Right. There's the coal bombing, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but They had a B-25, I think, go through the towers in the 40s? 50s? Yeah, yeah. Something I don't know like if it's B twenty five exactly, but yeah, it was definitely during World War Two. I think mm-hmm. so. Cool it's, story it, it about that. It was the I believe it was the Empire State Building. Yeah, cool story about that. One of my buddies has parts of the wreckage, like like has them. It's pretty sweet. That's a weird thing to own. It it is, but he also owns one of Body and Clyde's cars used in a bank heist. At least he can heist. You know, when it comes to the reenactor circle, and this is an episode where I. I originally did not plan on having, but as more and more questions come up, like we're going to do a whole reenactor thing. You probably should. Because it's a weird community, man. Because I just showed you something. You did. On Instagram. We'll, we'll talk about we should, it. We'll talk about it later. Um, so, like I said, uh, Walker was spending a lot of time at his local mosque, like any pious child. And Nowadays, if anybody's spending a lot of time in a very insular religion, and this is like, I'll call it a cult because it's a murderous cult, effectively. And that's not Islam, that's not Christianity, it's not Hindu or whatever. It's anybody who wants to teach a violent sect of their religion. He fell into that sect, um, and he was very a devout. To the point that, like, his own father, who once upon a time had trained to become a priest in the Catholic faith, mm. thought, he's like, well, there's nothing weird going on. He just has the lifestyle of a seminarian, of somebody who's in, you know, preschool. Um, at least the parents are taking this pretty well at yeah, this point. His parents take it exceedingly well like, to the present day. Really? Yes. We'll talk about that a bit, um, a bit is later. Is that bad parenting, or is that just supportive parenting? I don't know. I... I'm torn. That's something we'll debate a little bit. Yeah, because maybe I, our I listeners feel can the join same in. Way. Uh, so it was around this time that Walker's parents began to uh, hit the rocks a bit, so to say. Walker's uh, dis- Walker discovered his dad. So you know how I told you before uh, he had a uh, relatively normal home life. This is where it starts. The the, the cracks start to show. Mm. His dad was shooting on his mom. Ooh, spicy. Not normally. And I don't mean to malign any homosexual listeners we have, but this is the 1990s, and his dad left his mom for another man. Uh, I'm willing to bet that um, that whole idea is a little bit weirder for a kid who has no understanding of homosexuality. Oh, it definitely. Like is. we're we're saying this the year 2019, so we're a little bit more understanding now. Right. But like, if I mean, judge me how you will. If I mean, if my dad was still alive and I was 15 or 16 or whatever, and you know, America was not understanding at all of homosexuality at the time, it's it's a little bit more harder to handle. Uh, and and he accepted it as much. Uh, I never heard of it. He retreated so much further into the church uh, or what, into the faith, whatever you want to call it. It was the only stability he had is he ran to faith. Um, and to make things worse, his mom didn't kind of want him anymore after that. So he ended up just kind of living with a friend. So mom didn't want child. Yeah, 
which is weird. That is really weird. Yeah. I mean, I felt like that as a kid sometimes, but I still think in the back of my head, like, she she loves me. Yeah, she's just kind of busy or whatever. Yeah. And instead, mom just kind of crawled inside of a bottle. Not mine. She just told me to go away. Yeah, mine just started smoking a lot of weed. <laughs> uh, Walker, who was always kind of closer with his dad than his mom, uh, moved in with his dad eventually uh, after things kind of stabilized. And the other guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Turns out, uh, for being a hardline Islamist, Walker is pretty understanding for this the is people a, that he this loves. This is an all-understanding family. Very understanding, which is weird because at this point he is not fully militant. Yeah, but he's definitely bought into I Sharia. Feel like he knows Islam. of it. Like, well, he's definitely bought into Sharia. Like he's definitely bought into the school of Islam. He he's very extremist. This is a positive family. Everybody except John. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his mom didn't take it too well. She just yeah. got hammered. But, I mean, that's not a gay thing. That's, uh, like, my husband left me right. thing because he's cheating on me. But also, his dad's kind of an asshole for cheating on his yeah, mom. But whatever. Probably uh, could have got him in on it. So, like I just explained to you, most people would assume. So, like, it's 2019 now, as I've said before. Most people's understanding of hardline militant Islam would be uncompromising, Right. They're, they probably don't have a great sense of humor. Right. John Walker Lynn was the, wasn't that way. Um, he, yeah, I would assume he'd be a humorless prick. So apparently that wasn't him. In 1998, Walker and his dad took a trip to Ireland. Uh, Walker was so devoted at the time that he had a full Islamic dress, beard, kefia, everything. Um, during one stop uh, on the trip, a uh, a local restaurant patron thought he was in a play. Not a lot of Muslims in Ireland right, at the time. Right. And he just laughed it off. So yeah, definitely in a play, man. Well, do you want to act? Whatever. Um, in another case, his dad took his picture of a smiling walker, laughing even. The picture still exists to this day and is open on Google. Standing under an Irish butcher's shop sh- sign that Advertises bacon and pork. He thought it was hilarious. Uh, Isn't that like, uh, what is the thing? People think it's, for some reason, like garlic to vampires. Right. Like, I I have known a lot of Muslims uh, in my life. Uh, I'm best friends. One of my best friends is my interpreter from Afghanistan, Hamid. It's not like they're, they don't understand the humor in it, especially in American life, because Hamid lives in fucking Lansing, Michigan. Um, they think it's hilarious that we're so off-put by it, from my understanding. Um, granted, I've also gotten drunk with Hamid, so take that for what it's worth. But he thought the off-puttingness was kind of funny. Um, Walker just laughed it off. So Good sense of humor. He has a great sense of yeah. humor. That's the weirdest part. Um, Where did he turn? <laughs> I don't know. That's So we'll get to that. Okay. So in another case, um, so, uh, sorry, I'm, repeat- I'm repeating myself. So during this time, because remember I told you uh, Walker dropped out of high school. Right. As a second thought, he went and got his GED. Oh. He's, he's a smart guy. He doesn't have to study for it. He's just going to go get it. Yeah. 
Um, after that, he started talking about all the great things he's going to do with his life. He's going to go to medical school. He's going to go to this school. He's going to go to that school. Uh, he wants to help people. He doesn't want to, um, say, pick up an AK and go fight a goddamn war. <laughs> he wants to go to college. But It seems like he wants to help people. He does. He does. And so I feel like I need to point out here, a lot of this, uh, the only people know him at this point of his life are his parents. So pretty much every source I've ever found coming straight from their mouths. Straight from there. Okay. Could they be lying? Sure. Absolutely they could be lying to make their kids sound better. But the lie doesn't matter. Like they'd have to be. So in my opinion, for someone to be lying about a historical source, there has to be a reason they're lying, right? They're trying to make them look better. Right. Doesn't matter. He's already convicted at this point. So there's no point in lying. Right. Nobody knows who John Walker Linda is in 1999. Lying about his point of going to Yemen, pointless. He's already convicted. Right, he already so, did it. I'm willing to accept his family's account at face value. But I also cross-referenced the FBI's 15-6 investigation. So I did two bases. That's almost baseball, so that's all right. Um, <laughs> I'm a Tigers fan. You have to you have to forgive my understanding of baseball. Um, so for people who are not aware, uh, Nick, I don't know if you know this. If you are a Muslim, you should read Arabic. Um, the Quran is written in multiple languages, but the only true language you can read in is Arabic. For instance, I have I have read the English translation of the Quran, but the English translation of the Quran is not the Quran. Okay, I didn't know that. I did know it was in multiple languages. It is like most holy books. Now, the main differentiating point there is if you've never read anything that's been translated before, you understand that a lot of things are lost in translation. Right. So, Muslims believe in order to read the true Quran, you have to read it in the original Arabic because it has remained unchanged since the time of the Prophet Muhammad. John Walker Lynn did not speak Arabic. He did not read Arabic. So... Something he wanted to do is go learn. Um, so that is why he wanted to go to the Yemeni Language Institute. Now, for people who have been listening to our show for a while now, this is not quite the Yemen that Travis and I have talked about. Pre-Civil War, they have schools and people aren't dying of cholera. Um, but John Walker Lynn has no money. His parents sent him off to Sanaa to study Arabic. Because, like a priest studying the Bible, you got to read Latin. Right. It's like going to Rome in Vatican City. Remember, pre-9-11, it's a different world. Yeah. I know, I mean, I remember pre-9-11 America, but I was a child. Uh, I assume your memory of pre-9-11, much Very different. Very foggy. Yeah. It was there, but it's foggy. It's almost like reading a history book in a different language at this point. Like, hearing that a lily-white Muslim convert is going to fly to Yemen to learn Arabic in the year 2019, bit strange. It is. And it is not that long ago. Right. This is well within our lifetime. That just goes to show you how awful things can get so quickly. Right. Because we're a depressing show, we're going to bring guys down a bit. Um, so 
He frequently updated his parents uh, via long emails and, about his journeys around the country uh, because, I mean, he had free reign. He could go where the fuck he wanted. Eventually, Walker came back to the States. He got a bit homesick. He wanted to visit his parents a bit uh, before he went back to school. His dad, being the dutiful father that he was, I decided to drop him off at the airport. While at the airport, Walker's dad was strangely congratulated by several other members of Walker's Bay Area Mosque for having such a devout child. Mm. Now, uh, Walker's okay. dad thought this was a bit strange uh, because it's never happened before. But remember, this is February of 2000. Mm. We are several months away from when the world will change. But even he thought it was weird. Uh, so in October of 2000, the USS Cole was attacked. Uh, it, for people who do not remember, it was a suicide boat attack uh, that killed 17 U.S. sailors. And uh, this led to a tense email exchange between the elder and the junior walker. Uh, Walker's dad was pretty upset at the deaths, and uh, as anybody should be, you right. should. I don't care what your uh, political bent is. You should never be okay with anybody being murdered for political beliefs. Um, he's pretty upset uh, now. Walker's dad was upset because the sailors that died were largely the same age as his son. Um, Walker on the other hand, who had spent a considerable amount of time in Yemen at this point, said the attack was justified. Uh, this is because an American ship was entering a Yemeni uh, water area, yeah. technically Yemeni border, uh, and that is an act of war. Now, uh, I do not feel like I need to discount a uneducated future Taliban militant, but I will. Um, Yemen at the time, had a central government, like most countries do, and uh, it was a routine fuel stop for U.S. Navy ships, and the U.S. had full permission uh, to stop in Yemeni waters. Because uh, uh, Now, the reason why I, I feel myself stopping and explaining myself why ramming a boatload of explosives into a boat full of anybody is wrong is because I've seen this argument repeated recently. Really? Yeah. Um, nobody should ever support killing anybody, whether it be through a suicide boat or a drone strike or an airstrike or whatever. But here I am disproving a suicide bomber and their logistics. So fuck me, right? He's already won. Anyway. Small so, was dad understanding of this email? No. No. He was, he was not, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Small side note here. Uh, since we were talking about something really depressing like a terrorist attack, we have to lighten the mood a bit, right? That's, that's kind of our brand. Uh, terrorists have actually uh, plotted previous attempts on U.S. Navy ships in the region. A similar attack as the one that happened on the coal uh, happened back in January. But the poor Al-Qaeda terrorists held the boat with so much explosives that it just fucking sank and, and killed the pilot 
How? He drowned. How? He didn't. He decided that he was so convinced, <laughs> so committed to fucking suicide bombing, he couldn't bail out of it. <laughs> was it? I'm right now. I'm I feel like it was. The, it was the boat version. <laughs> Of this, the Austin Power scene was like, stop! <laughs> I'm kind of picturing uh, the perfect storm right now with George Clooney. Yeah. And he's just sitting there looking at all the other guys, just like, I'm the captain, dog. Except it's only one guy. <laughs> it's just one guy. And he's, was- just, he's just looking at everybody else while it's sinking. It's at his shins. He's just like, I got this. <laughs> Fuck. We're, it- you... you you guys should see this. It was on a boat called the the awkwardly titled the USS The Sullivans. That's what the terrorist boat name was? Uh no. What? <laughs> I'm it, sorry. So if you have never if you never heard of the Sullivan brothers? I have. Okay, well that was no. the boat. That was the ship. That was the, it was named after. Okay. I don't know why. I just heard that and then I heard. Yeah, it turns out uh, Al Qaeda in Yemen was uh, very proud of our U.S. sailors during World War II, and while they christened the boat to attack the U.S. Navy, they're like, you know who really deserves a, a shout out? The Sullivan brothers. Let's uh, let's go ahead and, and shatter this this bottle of holy water on this dinghy. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, we popped it. <laughs> oh, he's dead. <laughs> oh, our pilot. And, that, and that's how he died. So at this point, if you have not noticed, Walker had learned uh, a little bit more than just Arabic in Yemen. Um, his emails to his parents. Has he learned weight distribution in a boat? He was not part of the Al-Qaeda Navy. No, um, I, mean, I feel like he probably should have. Actually, he is uh, not a part of much. Al-Qaeda Navy. Um, uh, it was around this time. And I warned you before. That uh, the mosque in the Bay Area would not be so normal. It was around because remember, Walker's dad is not just a normal guy. He's an attorney for the U.S. Yeah. Department of Justice. Seems like a really nice dad, though. Super understanding. Yeah. Um, like if I got a D, he'd be really understanding. He means to agree. It's fine. It's fine, son. <laughs> Um, I wish my dad said that. No. My mom was like, what? You didn't want to fucking see, you lazy bitch? Uh, so um, John Walker's dad uh, began to <coughs> talk uh, to a few of his mosque friends because he was starting to lose contact with the son. Mm. son is further and further away. You know, whatever. Uh, it was around that time that he learned that several of Walker's friends had run off to Chechnya. To fight the Russians. Oh, fuck. Which we have talked about we briefly have. in the past. Yeah. It'll be a full series eventually. But briefly, yeah. To this, Walker's dad said probably the most understanding thing anybody Holy shit. in this position can possibly say. And that is, quote, he had simply developed a different point of view by joining a terrorist militant organization. Wow. Yeah, I I think John Walker Lynn's dad wins the most understanding dad of all time. Really? Like this is I'm astonished. This is great. I need to underline this point. Walker has not fought anybody yet. He's gained a different point of view at this He's point. He's simply gained a different point of view. Uh now near the end of that year, Walker informed his parents that in order to further his studies, 
he would be traveling to a madrasa in the northwest frontier province of Pakistan. I'm sorry. I just got a really weird image of Walker. He's a total douche to his parents. He is. He He's definitely like, is. All right, mom. All right, dad. Fuck you, first of all. Second of all, fuck you again later. And they're just like, love you. Not that much different, honestly. Because remember, up until this point, they've been emailing constantly. Like, they had been hearing from their son weekly, which is more than I can say my parents are for me during my first deployment. Mm. Um, so apparently, they had better internet connection to me. But that's fine. Um, now, uh, it was at this point, Walker's dad started to get a little worried about his son. Um, I mean, remember, he, like I said before, he's not a normal guy. This episode is about really Walker's dad. The most understanding. This is great. He's the most understanding father in American history. But remember, he's not a normal guy. He understands what madrasa means, which for our listeners, we'll be talking about at much longer points in a different series down the road. But he understands what a madrasa is in the early 2000s. He understands, like, he, he's catching all these little bits of bait that John Walker's leaving out. And he's worried about his son. He's worried bad, but not for the reasons that you think. Um, he knew the area. So it, if you were a state or a Justice Department employee at the time, and your son went to the northwest frontier province of Pakistan. Okay. You should absolutely be worried about your kid falling with a militant organization because that's just what that area is. To this day, <coughs> the Pakistani government hardly controls it. That's not what John Walker's dad was worried about. He was is wor- he worried about some weird shit? Like, <laughs> I hope he's getting to bed. I got a good time. Oh, that would be funnier. But he's worried about him just being caught up in the violence. Clearly, his son couldn't be involved in the violence. <sighs> he son- might just. He might just be an innocent bystander. He gained a different point of view. Yeah, and, that's right. Uh, God, I hope he's going to bed at a now, good time. You don't have kids. I don't have kids. Um, I have a dog. I also have several dogs and iguanas and uh, a drinking habit. Hopefully a bird soon. That'd be sweet. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just a hard pass. Um, now, if, if, as a hypothetical parent, if you were to talk your kid out of, I don't know, say, joining a militant movement, what would you say? I constantly have to tell my dog not to interact with the pack of dogs in the back of the backyard that we have. (laughs) Chewie, please don't join the IRA. (laughs) It's just this random-ass pack of dogs that she goes and fucking barks at. But I think they're underlining, like, come with us. So this is where I start to feel like... We dig holes in other people's yards and fuck them up. This is where I start to believe that John Walker's dad kind of sounds like a dog parent. So, for instance, your dog and my dogs have had disagreements. Yes. When that happens, you generally believe it was my dog's fault, correct? Depends on who the dog was, to be honest with yours. No, that's fine. You don't have to sugarcoat anything because whenever anything happens, I just blame it on Chewy. Okay, yeah. That is kind of what John Walker's dad did. (laughs) He said... (laughs) For instance, he's, Fucking chewy. <laughs> he said, well, John wouldn't do anything because he knows I would, I would disapprove. Okay. Which is like, I don't know if that's an air ball, but it's not good. It's definitely not. Because uh... at this point, remember, he hasn't seen him in months. 
Well, he wouldn't join a terrorist organization because clearly I disapprove. Right. Yeah. Solid. Right. Whatever. Understandable. So at that point, now in Pakistan, not speaking the language, John Walker became even more of an introvert. Probably not good for him. Local people and local imams would invite him out uh, to the local villages for dinner, prayers, just away from the school. Because it should be noted, there's a lot of people who studied at madrasas who did not become terrorist militants. Right. Um, A lot of those people did become terrorist militants. It is pretty clear to me that his imam was trying to to, um, introduce him to the local culture. As was like his normal plan. Like he wanted to come to Pakistan. He wanted to learn about the Urdu call. He wanted to learn Urdu, the language Urdu. He wanted to hang out with Pakistanis. He wanted to do all this shit. But he was too introverted to do it. So he just hung out in the school around the other Mujahids. I wonder, like, he doesn't, <coughs> he doesn't know any of the language. He, he's good with languages, to be honest. It does not take him long to. John Marker Lynn learned just about every language he ever touched. It took him some time, but I mean, That's to be talent. fair, I spent two fucking years in Afghanistan and barely learned a goddamn thing. So he's got a heads up on me. I spent my whole life around Spanish. Yeah, you're Mexican. Didn't learn shits apparently. I speak no Armenian, so that's fine. But uh, he just must have that face of. We can understand. Yeah. He's just like, coasting people by. People are just like, okay, this guy's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, eventually his um, imams and all the locals just kind of gave up because he's so antisocial. Um, and then that's around the same time that the emails home so began to dry up. He's so antisocial, but he joins a group right, to fight. Because is, every, he is, is he his own group at one point just no. to fight by himself? No. Because he's so antisocial? Because um, name an antisocial person who's ever done an act of violence. Columbine Sheeners, there's two of them. Yeah. I mean, everybody's looking for a camaraderie. So was he. Honestly, if at some point before John Mockerland bought a plane ticket to Yemen, if somebody would have got him, I don't know, a fucking ticket to priesthood, uh, a, a ticket to anything, Anyone that would have accepted him, this would have not have happened. And I'm um, somebody out there is going to tell me I'm fucking wrong, right? But I am treating John Walker Lind like any other cult member, any member of Jonestown, any member of Scientology, any member of ISIS. Um, they're, I mean, for every handful of hardline believers, there's thousands of people who are just in it to feel better. Looking for a niche. Yeah, they're looking for family. They're right. looking for acceptance. Okay. I mean, this is a guy that was sickly. He didn't go to school for 14 fucking years. And even when he did go to school, he didn't have any friends. That's fucking insane. There's a very good chance he's sitting in prison right now, a virgin. I mean, th- Ooh. There's, there's a lot to this. Just like, I mean. Well, he knows what he likes. He probably just wants acceptance. Okay, you went somewhere else. I mean, it's like uh, the the weird people who subscribe to QAnon, the, the the weird people who subscribe to Anonymous, the weird people who subscribe to the Resistance Twitter, whatever it may be. They just want to be surrounded by people who believe the same bullshit they do. 
I don't. I mean, <laughs> but we do. We're in this room together. That's true. By by no collection of common things are we friends. Both of us are weird anti-social history buffs who joined the army and eventually ran into one another. The only difference that John Walker Lynn was looking for is that they're Muslim. But there's a very good chance that was not the case if somebody made friends with them in high school. Yeah. It's just like probably a good chance that the Columbine shooting ever would happen if one of those motherfuckers got laid or they never met. I mean, nobody, I fully believe that nobody's looking for violence. Yeah. Everybody's looking for acceptance, but they're, but a lot of people are comfortable with acceptance and violence. As dumb as that sounds. I mean, look at some of these cult people that kill people. They don't really believe in Xenu. They don't really believe in like Am Shinrikyo in Japan. They just want to belong. Yeah. And sometimes belonging is destructive as shit. I mean, look at some of the other personality cults. I could cults definitely see that, yeah. Like, a good example, there's a, uh, a self-help guru in Arizona, or maybe New Mexico. Someone will correct me on that. Uh, this is not part of the script, so I'm ad-libbing, if you haven't noticed. Uh, he's a self-help guru, which eventually kind of molded into a weird Native American-esque cult. And then he held a sweat lodge. Sweat lodge is a decidedly Native American activity. He is a white guy, as white as I am. Where is he holding the sweat lodge? Is he doing it in a teepee? I built a uh, homemade teepee. He doesn't understand like venting and things like that. Oh, what an asshole. Yeah. No venting, tons of charcoal. He killed like three people. But people <coughs> followed him to their death past their natural survival means of like, this is not okay. I should run. Right. Ignored it. Went right into that bitch and they fucking died. The only difference between the people willing to die for yoga in New Mexico and people willing to die for Islam in Kunar, Afghanistan, is the faith. That's the only difference. And, that, and that's, I feel like that's the main thing I'm arguing here, is that it all depends on you. If, if you find the right person needing help, acceptance, whatever it may be, at the wrong fucking time, I could probably make somebody want to kill somebody for this podcast. It doesn't matter. Uh, don't. I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> Just please give us a dollar on Patreon. <laughs> like, buy a me- t-shirt. The message doesn't matter. It's the delivery. T-shirts, actually, they're really, they come out really well out of the dryer. <laughs> I just want to point that out, too. Mine has not shrunk yet, and I'm not good at it. So, like I said, uh, the emails back home start to peter out. Why? Internet access ain't so good out in the mountains. Granted, he doesn't tell his family this. Kind of uh, ghosts them? Kind of. He ghosts his whole family. I, honestly, I know we keep bringing it up. They're really understanding at this point still. I've So understanding. I feel like a lot of it is like they're understanding and they're like, oh, fuck, I just hope he's still alive. But I, I feel like all this understanding has been really destructive in his life you know, to this it, point. I don't know what the happy meeting him is there. Because I really because uh, all yes. uh, it, there's no other measurement here. Exactly. <laughs> like name something else like this that happens. Like your lily white ass son decides that he's really smart. Said so to drop out of high school. Like fuck. Okay. 
how do I? Uh, well, he can definitely use GED because he's really smart. Oh, well, now he's really into religion. Okay, well, maybe that'll give him the organizational things that he needs for his life or whatever. Oh, fuck. Now he wants to go to Afghanistan. Or now, fuck, now he wants to go to Pakistan. Like, eh, I don't know what the cutout is here. I, I would just... It's so supportive. <laughs> it's like, it's all I could get out of it. I don't think being unsupportive would have helped either. No, I don't think so either. He was going to go. Because, I mean... There's a lot of what-ifs, but there's definitely... So, there's so many 15-6, um, for people who are not aware, 15-6s are in-depth investigations on certain aspects of crimes or violations of rules and things like that. Um, the 15-6 investigations in the mosque and the Bay Area lead me to believe he was going to get over there, mm. whether he needed his dad's money or not, which I'll talk about, I guess, a little bit later, but... um. His family's made it easier. He didn't make it impossible. Right. Which, so, because remember, going to Pakistan, and I, I understand this requires almost 20 years of revisionist thought here. For instance, if I told you tomorrow I want to go to Iceland or Finland, would you think twice about it? No. Right, because nothing's ever happened between the United States or Iceland or Finland. I'd question this, you. No, you wouldn't. I really would. <laughs> like, why? I'm going. What to, am I gonna do? We live in Washington State. There's literally a train that'll bring me to Canada. I literally live four minutes from you, and I'd be like, "What am I gonna do?" You'll be all right. You'll watch my dogs. I but really like, will. Sadly. You're not gonna think yeah. any weird things about me. No, no. Right, like I, I always feel like whenever I explain how the world was back then, because I kind of remember it. It's a different world. It really is. Um, there's no such thing as like a suspicious country because it may be like North Korea. <coughs> if I told you to go to North Korea now, it's weird. If I told you North Korea then, it's still kind of weird. <laughs> I'd still totally go to North Korea for vacation, though. I probably wouldn't come back. Yeah, I can they'd, imagine you doing some dumb shit. They'd fucking kill my ass. <laughs> you... Fucking writing about it later. I'd be like Otto Warmbier and get fucking executed for stealing a poster. But they tell you not to do something, you do it way harder. So hard. <laughs> but like, it's troubling. What I'm trying to say is here, what Walker's family went through, it's, it sucks. But like, everybody's like, how did they not know? Well, we're almost near fucking 2020. We can't judge them in, in 2000. Yeah. This is before the towers fell. His family were just trying to be supportive. Which is honestly under, understandable. Yeah. And that's, that's I'd imagine I'd want to be really supportive of my child. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. So I, I'm not knocking him for it, obviously. Now that we talked about that at length, we can, we can be like, oh, fuck. Because, uh, about that time he crossed over the mountains to Afghanistan. Mm. Now, um, this is... What's the time period we're looking at here? About the year 2000. Um, the Northern Alliance is fighting the Taliban. And regardless of how many historical revisionaries want to put their hands on it, the Taliban is irrecoverably bad. Uh, the Taliban is always bad. Always bad. Hardline Sharia law advocates, they kill people horribly. Um Northern Alliance, not innocent. Um, no matter how many times people want to talk about the line of Panjshir, 
how many how many times Hollywood wants to remake oh my goodness uh Abdul Dostum and was it 13 strong or 12 oh yeah can, can so we not bad. talk about that so bad um, that was a terrible movie wasn't good they wanted him to be Ahmed Shah Massoud so bad but he was already dead um so in May of 2001 Walker crossed the mountains into Afghanistan uh, no one is really sure how or when because he's been gone for so long. Uh, but everybody knows he did it around then because there's people in Afghanistan that confirm seeing him around that time. Uh, he apparently emailed a friend back home and said that he did not want to join the Taliban, but he simply wanted to see how Sharia law looked like in action. Because as a devote follower, I mean, this is like all those weird people who want to rule the country based on the ten. Ten Commandments. He just wants to see how it looks. So, okay, he has to see for himself. Okay, right, got right. It. That's what he said got anyway. It. Is that true? Fuck, I don't know. But that's just what he's told somebody. And from what we know from then on, that isn't true. Once he got there, however, is not the Taliban that he hooked up with. Because most people know John Walker Lind is the American Taliban. It's not entirely true. It was none other than Osama bin Laden that he met and he joined. It is known as the Al Farouk Brigades. Uh, it's the Foreign Fighter Regiment of Al Qaeda. That's, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. That's he, crazy. He began to train with firearms and small unit tactics and explosives in an Al Qaeda training camp. He even briefly hung out with old OBL himself. Really? Yeah. I mean, this is kind of like, I feel like this is the hipster version of being a terrorist. Because like 9-11 hadn't happened yet. Nobody really give a shit who OBL was. This is like if like, dude, I hung out with like Mumford and Sons back in 06. Famous. Like, yeah. Mumford and Sons. Dude, I used to listen to them heavy in fucking middle yeah. school, bro. Back in the old days. Yeah. Nobody gave a shit. He wasn't a thing. Um, just a little line, man. Yeah, he was training at Kandahar, my old stomping ground. So yeah, back in the day. Yeah, he do you also want to be- do a shameless book plug. Oh, uh, you mean like the hooligans of Kandahar? <laughs> the book is that is now out on audiobook. And nice. has been known uh <laughs> by Francis Horton of The Hell of Way to Die as the most important book that has been written about the global war on terror. Nice. That book? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. You should buy it. Because I, I need to pay my mortgage. I, you gave it to me. Well, you shouldn't buy it. You're my co-host. Oh, okay. I mean, if you want to give me five bucks, that's cool. I, I imagine I'll give it to you in some way or form. So, uh, also that's been noted, and this is by other people that were in the camp with him, who began blazing hella weed. <laughs> <laughs> like, smoking a fuckload of weed. <laughs> I don't know why this is noted, <laughs> but it's noted. Like They're like... So him and Osama were boys smoking hella weed, bro. Like, and and then Muhammad say to his men, "Smoke weed every day." Like it doesn't make it. Like I literally read like three firsthand accounts. Like, yeah, Walker really liked the hashish. Why are all of you saying this? <laughs> yeah, he was kind of weird. Dude blazed it though. Really ate a lot of rice because he was just blitzed <laughs> yeah. all the time. 
Imagine being trapped in like a terrorist training camp where life already sucks and there's some dude is just ripped out of his gourd all the time. <laughs> Fuck, the American ate all the goddamn rice again. The fucking asshole. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. To be honest, everybody just remembers him just for having iron lungs. <laughs> Everybody just remembers for hitting the dab hard as fuck. Yeah. He's just hitting the fuck. He's sucking up bong water. <laughs> Bro. Um, and it wasn't uh, shortly after that that Walker's first mission came up. And for listeners of the show, you may remember the time frame. Nick, you were in California, so I forgive you. It was around 1999. Nice. That... Uh, John Walker first joined Al-Qaeda militants for action in Kashmir, where he saw action against the Indian Army. Yeah? Uh, Now, so, so no one has any fucking idea exactly what kind of combat, or any, for that matter, that John Walker alone had seen. It's simply implied. Uh, He's not talking. One, he's not allowed to talk because of the son, son of Samuel, which we'll go into. And also, he doesn't really talk to much of anybody anymore. But so he's still antisocial. Well, he's in prison. Okay, that'll do it to you. Yeah, that'll do it to you. Um, but eventually, after a few weeks of service, he is recalled back to Afghanistan. And then the September 11th attacks happened. Mm. Now, uh, for people like myself, I'm 30 years old now. I remember vividly where I was when 9-11 happened. Um, most Americans do. Nick's a little bit younger than myself, but um, most people remember where they were. We're not going to go to nine eleven. Nine eleven was awful. Yeah. Um, regardless of the excuse, flying plane loads of innocent people into buildings is unforgivable. Um, sorry, we need to watch that nine eleven Charlie Sheen movie. No, we do not. Please, I, I would rather. Did th- you know one existed? Yes, I've heard of it. Yes. Um, I would, you know, whenever you ask me things like that, I really wish I didn't clear IEDs so well. <laughs> like, I really wish the Taliban would just snuff to my ass out. I mean, can we? I, yeah. Sweet. Because it was either that or SPF 18 or whatever that movie was with Keanu Reeves did a cameo in or whatever. Uh, why are you making me hate all my fucking favorite people? Dude, the movie's terrible. He's in it I'm gonna <laughs> for chug, like 10 seconds. I'm going to chug fucking bleach. Um, so, as you can imagine, the trickle-down of news to a random white dude in Afghanistan, pretty slow. But by the time John Walker heard about the news of the 9-11 attacks, he became fucking terrified. Uh, unlike a lot of people around him, he's like, holy shit, America is going to attack us. You want to get the fuck out. So he wasn't down with it. No, no, uh, absolutely not. Okay. Um, so we only can accept this from John Walker's mouth and evidence. But there is no point in John Walker's life did he say he wanted to fight Americans. Now remember, when you join, so this would be like if you went and joined um, the war in Ukraine tomorrow. On yeah. Russia's side, or whatever. And then a month after that, America decided to get involved in the Ukrainian side. Did you ever sign up to fight Americans? No. No, either did he. Mm. Okay. Says he. So that's what he says. Okay. 
and I kind of buy it for reasons we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, so he wanted to run, according to him. He wanted to run immediately, but everybody knew he was American. Because of course everyone knew he was American. He was the English-speaking guy. <laughs> uh, I mean, he spoke Arabic. He spoke Urdu brokenly at that point. Um, but everybody still knew him as the American guy. They also knew him as the guy who can smack a bong. Yeah, just fucking clear that bitch. <laughs> um, so uh, that's why uh, when the when the unit he was attached to was dispatched to fight the Northern Lions, he went with them. Um, and then, like most Taliban formations, in the wake of American bombing, they surrendered because American bombing is pretty brutal. Uh, it's not anything anybody there is used to. Um, soon, they were an open retreat. Pretty quickly after, they were an open surrender. Mm, okay. Uh, and that is when... So he did not surrender to American forces. He surrendered to Northern Alliance forces, uh, more specifically, Abdul Rashid Dostum, which is the hero in the lovely movie 13 Strong. Okay. I watched that. Did not enjoy it. It's a bad movie and yeah. not historically accurate. Most importantly, Abdul Rashid Dostum is a goddamn war criminal. Mm. Okay. Um, he suffocated... Taliban prisoners of war in storage containers, which is just like the storage container that John Walker Lind was thrown into. I'm not saying that John Walker Lind um, demanded special treatment. I'm saying he did not uh, deserve to be thrown into a metal container to die. Once in those containers, Northern Alliance people shot into them. Thousands were were killed. And um, I say this meaning the best possible things about the Northern Alliance. If, if you were to believe me, uh, Muhammad Shah Massoud is one of the greatest, if not the greatest commanders of the Afghan war against the Soviets and would have been the most transformative commanders in the coming Afghan civil war if he was not killed about a day before 9-11. What? Yeah. How'd he die? Suicide bombing via what? Al-Qaeda. Yep. They knew. Throughout Northeast Afghanistan to this day, there's pictures of him all over the place. Um, I personally served in Charkar uh, in the in the Bagram province and later in Kapisa in 2008, 2009, and 2010. And you cannot go anywhere without seeing portraits of him everywhere. Uh, he's known as the Lion of Panjshir for very good reasons. But the Northern Alliance had plenty of their own crimes, which is what I was getting to. Now, uh, moving past that, um, eventually, like I said, he fell into the captivity of Dostum, who brought him to his prison in... Uh, a place known as Kuala Ijangi, which is a large prison fortress that dates back hundreds of years. Now, at this point, CIA, FBI, all those dudes are already there. Have we ever talked about Dostum before? Briefly. Okay, that sounds, that's why it sounds Briefly. familiar. <clears throat> Dostum is interesting. Okay. Glad you brought up CIA. I actually wrote an entire article 
and uh, dosed them for Lima Charlie News, which you can look up if you really want to read. I do not get paid by the page view, so uh, I will say Dostum's an asshole. Full disclosure, I worked with someone who disagreed with me that Dostum was an asshole. So the message is a bit split, hmm. but, you know, things be where they may. Nice. Um, so a side note on Dostum, since I was not allowed to say what I wanted to say when I worked for Lima Charlie. Abdul Rashid Dostum is a war criminal, as I've said once before. He is a man so terrible, even though he is Afghanistan's current vice president, as we sit here today in the year 2019, he was banned from entering the country because he had sexually tortured his political opponents. What? (laughs) What? He shoved a bayonet up a man's asshole. Hmm. Yes. What size are we talking here? A rifle bayonet. I don't know. Big enough to be a bayonet. And um, that is current. I mean, since then, he has been let back in the country. But he was banned for a significant amount of time. (laughs) Who let him back in? Uh, The president, (laughs) it turns out. Yeah, democracy works, Nick. (laughs) All right. So many, if not all of the war crimes attributed to the Northern Alliance. Many of those same crimes uh, that Walker's parents claim motivated Walker to join Al-Qaeda and the Taliban were committed by Dostum. Um, so, take that as you may. So, Dostum, not a good guy. No. Walker and his fo- fellow POWs are stash- stashed in an unventilated cargo truck and driven to Dostum's prison fortress at Kuala Ijangi, like I said before. Uh, it's in a city of Mazraya Sharif. Hundreds of Taliban and Al-Qaeda prisoners died due to mistreatment, torture, and murder during the drive. It was there, while in Northern Alliance custody, that Walker came in contact with the CIA for the first time. CIA officers Mike Spahn and Dave Tyson singled out the strange white guy amidst a, a crowd of brown faces. Uh, you couldn't get that much of a tan, like to at least well, be known as a. He tried, but a crowd of Iraqis who had been captured and questioned by Spawn said that Walker wasn't an American, so they kind of carried uh, covered for him a bit. But he was Irish. Technically, they were wrong. So, for a obscure Irish law, if you can prove that a family member of yours, which I believe within two, uh, like your great-grandparents, grandparents, great-grandparents, something like that, if you can prove they are born to Ireland, you have Irish citizenship. How do you prove it? I don't know. Paperwork? If, Technically? If you don't have paperwork, maybe Technically, there's a way to prove it. he's Irish. Um... So when they walked up to him, when they walked up to him and started talking to him, he introduced himself as Suleiman Alferis and said nothing else. That was his name, Suleiman Alferis. Oh, it means something fucking cool. Eh, not really, just the name. Um, Spawn began demanding to know if Walker was actually a member of the Irish Republican Army, because remember, he now he's a terrorist in Afghanistan. He's supposed to be Irish. Fuck. Uh, because remember, uh, obviously the IRA is known for the fucking jihadi terror links in Afghanistan. During this time, there happened to be a camera rolling 
which recorded two CIA agents screaming at Walker, who wasn't saying anything back. Which, now, I'm not saying the CIA should not scream at the Taliban, but it made them look bad. Uh, around two hours into the interrogation started, prisoners stood up in the courtyard and began attacking their captors with hand grenades. What? It was then that an accidental battle of Kuala Ijangi began. How? The, uh, I mean, they just still had them on them. They hid them. They captured them from their Northern Alliance prison guards. Hey, I keistered this one. Oh, God. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> like most prisons... Prisoners outnumbered their captors four to one and quickly overran the guards. Spawn was beaten to death. And uh, the CIA guy? Yep. Holy fuck. Yep. Uh, as soon as everybody else could run, they ran for their lives. Tyson managed to escape to a more secure part of the fortress where he happened to find a German television crew. What? There's a lot of television crews. There's a lot, of, sh- there's yeah. a lot of nationalities joining here. He took their satellite phone and quickly called the U.S. Embassy in Uzbekistan for reinforcements. He specifically told them to not bring in air support due to how close the Afghan forces were to the prison. Now, this is allied Afghan forces. Instead, they sent a task force dagger, which was the U.S. Special Operations Force in Afghanistan. Soon, Delta Force British SAS Rangers and members of the Air Force Pararescue Troops were joined by thousands of local Afghan soldiers and several T-55 fucking tanks, which, if people are paying attention, (laughs) people's tank, people's tank, uh, for trying to retake the fortress. Well, Tyson may have been a bit worried about killing people with airstrikes. The Afghans did not have the same worries. They began just pumping fucking tank rounds into the goddamn prison. Oh boy. It reminds me of the Bell uh the Beslan school siege in Russia. Oh fuck. <laughs> just pumping tank rounds at point blank range. Oh, such a clusterfuck. Allied forces assumed that the prisoners who at this point had taken the prison's weapons and ammunition uh had dug in and would crumble once forces showed up to fight back. And they could not have been more wrong. Afghan forces repelled time and time again, day after day, forcing Americans to say fuck it and just make it rain from the sky. Unfortunately. Where's Tyson? uh, He's still hiding somewhere. Unfortunately, if you think U.S. forces have a hard time not killing the wrong people with airstrikes now in the year 2019... It's even worse than 2001. Fuck. (laughs) They're probably hitting people behind them. Like A 2,000-pound bomb was dropped, guided by an Air Force combat controller, landed right on top of a Northern Alliance platoon, killing all of them, including destroying a T-55 and wounding five members of Delta Force who were embedded with them, along with several members of the SAS. Fuck. Eventually, Allied forces beat back the prisoners, taking back the fortress room by room, and trapping the surviving prisoners in the basement. They eventually flushed out when the Northern Alliance decided they were not really game for this cuddly bullshit that their allies were playing. So they decided to pour huge barrels of fuel down into the basement, light it on fire. Fuck. Yeah. Out of around 5 
hundred prisoners. Holy shit! That it's were a big there. Basement. Uh, when the uprising started, eighty made it out alive, including our boy, and to include John Walker Lind. Wow! I wonder what he was doing the whole time. So John Walker Lind was brought out of the burning basement on a stretcher in full view of the Newsweek camera crew. What? Uh, Walker had managed to get himself shot in the leg just about as soon as everything started and ran to the basement. Um, now, he was trying desperately to just not get killed. At one point, he and most other prisoners wanted to surrender. But he claims, and what has been cooperated by most people, was the entire situation had been taken over by several other fair fighters who refused to allow anybody to surrender. So he just had to wait them all out when they yeah. were killed. Then he surrendered. This guy's really good at surviving. It seems to be his most apt skill. Yeah. Walker was taken to a rotting, disgusting hops- hospital ran by the Northern Alliance. And he was actually cared for by American Special Operations Forces. Um, while he was there, he ran to a CNN journalist named Robert Pelton, who had a camera rolling. Despite the fact that Walker had refused to say anything to the CIA, CNN, and interrogators, he ended up being pretty goddamn open with Pelton. During the interview, Walker first said his name was Abd al Hamid, and he spoke with oh, that's a, a different name. Yeah, he spoke with a really obviously fake fucking accent. Oh. And I'll post the video to our Twitter for other people to be judges, but it's a, it's a bad fake. Uh, now he attempted to make himself sound vaguely Arabic. Um, now, in his defense, as I've said once before, this may also have been because, according to Pelton, Walker was in a state of hypothermia and shock from blood loss. Because remember, he had been shot in the leg. Right. And at this point, he had not re- received much treatment. Uh, so maybe it wasn't an accent as much as it was Walker being drunk from being so close to death. Mm. Could go either way, in my opinion. I think he was faking an accent. Could be wrong. I'd have to watch it. Um, it was only when Pelton asked if he want, um, wanted to talk to him, maybe he could let his family know if he was still alive. Because remember, he had not spoke to his yeah. family at this point for seven <laughs> months. I hope he stopped the accent and stopped the, the language. He started speaking American like, oh, yeah, that'd be totally sick. Now, Walker refused for Pelton to call his family, but he did admit who he was. He said, yeah, I'm an American. My name is John Walker Lynn. Uh, now, Pelton is not innocent. Uh, is at this point in the interview, I should point out that Pelton got kind of weird. I have watched countless interviews with people in war zones, people doing uh, jailhouse interviews with criminals, whatever it may be. So take that for what it's worth. During the interview, Pelton told Walker that, quote, he respects the call and respects the cause. What? Now, he was called, on to the, called out on this on multiple occasions, and Pelton said in his defense, um, he respect, he said now, he quote, he respects other religions, and I respect jihad, which means to struggle. Jihad is the five pillars of Islam. Okay, so there's a few things to parse there. Jihad does mean struggle. does not mean holy war. Right. Jihad is not one of the five pillars of Islam. 
Okay. Um, now, if he respected other beliefs and he respected Islam as much as he says he did, he'd probably know that jihad is not one of the five pillars. Those would actually be faith, prayer, charitable giving, fasting during the month of Ramadan, and Hajj, which means, you know, going to Mecca. And none of those things are fucking jihad. Right. Um, he said those. He said this in, during the interview. Yes, this is okay. during his interview with CNN. Uh, I, and it will be the intro to this episode. Mm. Um, he's a problematic character, in my opinion. Um, now, here's my opinion on Pelton. He wanted to get Walker to fucking talk. What's a better way to get you to talk? I could, I, I understand why he did it. Sympathizing with him. Yeah, okay. I get it. Yeah. Now, that's understandable. It'd be a lot fucking easier during his interview with CNN, like, yeah, fucking lied. I don't believe in that shit. Or certainly, jihad is not a five pillar of Islam. Now, jihad does mean struggle, jihad does not mean holy war. Those are two different things. Neither one of those things are one of the five pillars of Islam. Right. He's fucking lying out his ass. Now, what I think is much more likely is he thought he knew a whole lot of shit he didn't know. But if I was him, I would say, yeah, I totally lied, so he'd talk to me. You're literally interviewing a guy on a cot in Afghanistan who thinks he's probably going to get the death penalty. Lie your fucking ass off. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, that's believable, honestly. Now, that interview broadcasted across the world was the first time the Walker family had heard from their son <laughs> seven Fuck. months. And it was the first time they ever heard about him running off to fight a war. After the interview, Walker was sent to Camp Rhino, where he was strapped naked to a stretcher, while blindfolded, and was left in a metal shipping container for days at a time. Now, according to the 15-6, which I had referenced multiple times, um, this investigation was because Walker was a potentially dangerous terrorist, despite the fact he had a bullet wound in his leg, and he had certainly was about half dead at that point from blood loss, not to mention the point he had never once threatened anybody who was holding him prisoner. Right. I point this out for reasons we'll go into later. He was interviewed by the FBI, and he requested a lawyer. Remember, John Walker Lind is an American citizen. Yeah. He requested a lawyer. His constitutional right. It was refused. Uh, this was despite the fact that the U.S. Department of Justice Ethics Advisor Jesslyn Raddick said that he absolutely needed a lawyer. The FBI told him he would not be going anywhere to include a real hospital for real treatment unless he talked. Like anybody, he did just that. He talked. Remember, he has a fucking bullet wound in his leg. Not treated at this point. Absolutely not. At this point, he was sent to the USS Peleliu, where he's forced to send a confession uh, before they would operate on his now almost certainly festering leg wound. Small side note here. Now, I am not making this up about the ethics advisor. Uh, Raddick, Jesslyn Raddick, um, ethic advisor to the FBI, openly disagreed with the actions taken by the FBI during this investigation. She even went on record disagreeing with her boss, the Attorney General of the United States, John Ashcroft. Mysteriously, less than two months after this happened, she received a horrible performance review. Uh, I don't know a lot about being a lawyer, but I know a lot about being a public employee. 
having a bad performance review is not good. Now, key caveat to this. This performance review did not have to be final. Just sign this letter of resignation, and it won't go in your file. She did not take it. Wow. Instead, she tried to fight it for a bit before she resigned. Uh, So she quit. And because the U.S. government is full of assholes, she was promptly put on the no-fly list. Really? Yeah. What the fuck? Now, um, since then, she has become a champion of whistleblowing and um, several other very key court cases. But her life has been a living hell for standing up for John Ashcroft for over a decade. Um, Jesslyn Randick is the only good person in the story. She's, re- she's received numerous awards for her service since then. Right. But like, she was literally not a leave- allowed to leave the country for several years. Assholes. Yeah. Shit. And there, there's, this is, all comes down to a basic thing. If you're arrested and you're questioned without an attorney and you are not giving the right to an attorney, that is a constitutional violation. That is all she was arguing. That's it. That's all it was. Now, a lot of this had to come down to the fact that John Ashcroft, which who is her boss, wanted to make a example of John Walker Lind to include her boss's boss, the President of the United States. Jocelyn Randick was fucked. Thankfully for her, she got her comeuppance, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm. Can we also say the other good person of this story is uh, the dad? Can we can we do that? Oh, I mean, he's definitely the best dad in the story. All right, cool. The uh, best is dad. Now, on February 5th, 2002, Lind was indicted on a federal grand jury on the following charges. Conspiracy to murder U.S. nationals. What? Two counts of providing material support to terrorists. What? One count of supplying services to the Taliban. Oh, man. Conspiracy to supply services to the Taliban. And contributing services to Al-Qaeda, using and carrying firearms and destructive devices, and committing a violence. And marijuana charges. And marijuana. Um, <laughs> if convicted, Walker would almost certainly spend the rest of his life in prison. Then, Raddick happened. Jesslyn Raddick, the woman we were just talking about. Right. So, one of her main hitching points here was her insistence for the ethics office that he required representation before being questioned. Now, her advice was discarded completely by the FBI. Later on, um, the FBI's whole position was he does not require representation because he's a terrorist. That goes in direct violation of constitutional law, which they talked about in emails between Jesslyn Randick and her boss, the Attorney General. When Jesslyn Randick saw the person she was not technically defending being railroaded, she said, fuck it, and leaked her entire cache of emails to Newsweek. Holy shit. Now, is that illegal? Absolutely. Is she wrong? No. Wow. Take that for what it's worth for various cases going on to this day. She's fucking cool. Jesslyn Rennick is a fucking badass. That was awesome. Now, here's the thing. She tanked her own career. And she did. It took her several years to recover. But now, what 
did John Walker Lind do during aboard the USS Pelu? He sent a confession. Confession is no longer admissible. He did not have representation. None of the questioning was admissible. He did not have representation. So now the U.S. federal government was fucked. They had nothing. Nothing could be admissible. So they backpedaled pretty goddamn fast. And they went, look, look, look. All right, slow down. They offered Walker a deal. They said, look, man, without saying as much that we fucked up, we'll give you a plea deal. Plead guilty to helping the Taliban and for carrying a destructive device in the emission of a crime, sign a gag order, and drop all claims that the U.S. forces tortured you. You'll get 20 years. It doesn't sound like a bad deal, but it sounds like a bad deal. It's a bitter apple. Yeah. Here's the thing. On July 15th, 2002, Walker pled guilty. Or, in his own words, he said, quote, I plead guilty. I provided my service as a soldier to the Taliban last year from about August to December. In the course of doing so, I carried a rifle and two grenades. I did so knowingly and willingly knowing that it was illegal. I went to Afghanistan with the intention of fighting against terrorism and and oppression, fighting for the suffering of ordinary people at the hands of the Northern Alliance. He'd be eligible for release in 17 years. Yeah. Now, during his time in prison, uh, he has not been allowed to speak about his time as a soldier of the Taliban or Al-Qaeda because of the gag order. Uh, but he has not been so silent as suing the fuck out of the federal prison system. Uh, that's for various reasons. Now, uh, John Walker Lynn is part of what's known as a, a communication management unit. They still, to this day, consider him a high threat person. Uh, might plan an attack. Might plan. He might plan something, uh, despite the evidence that that has never happened. Right. Um, he doesn't seem like the type. He gets one visit a month. Guess who visits him every Please month? Please tell me he's dead. His parents. Wow. They fly in from California every month to visit him in Terre Haute, Indiana, where he is still incarcerated. That's understandable. Now, just so this doesn't sound so rosy and nice. Yeah, why you always got to do that? All right. He still 100% supports the Taliban. More than that, and the few things he has said that have escaped into the outside world, he also supports ISIS. Mm. But... He has also sued the U.S. government multiple times. Uh, Being part of the communication management unit means, for whatever reason, he cannot pray with other people. He won that lawsuit. And it went to the Supreme Court of the United States, and he won. Wow. More than that. When did I say he got sentenced? 2002. yeah. What year are we currently sitting in? Ooh. He's up for... John Walker Lind. The American Taliban will be released in May of 2019. Really? Wow. That's right. Within one month of listening to this, John Walker Lind will be a free man. <coughs> so with that, we're kind of on topic here. Yeah. That's honestly really nice. Can somebody mark that down? For once, just go ahead and put that tick mark up. <laughs> yeah. We're on topic. Because no. we missed Stalingrad and all that other stuff. Oh, our first year. 
Um, now, this is an interesting topic. A lot of people are really fucking upset he's getting released. Mm. How do you feel listening to his life story like that? Listening to it? Honestly? Grant, this is a guy who's, I mean, ISIS is relatively new. It is. He voiced support for ISIS. Cool. He supports it. Yep. I honestly don't care that he's getting released. I am in the same boat. Now, do I agree with him? No. No, of course not. Right. Um, of course I don't. I do, I do not agree with any single thing he's done in almost his entire life. Um, there is... Now, if, if, if you want to do something as, I don't know, reductive as find him guilty of a thought crime, like supporting ISIS, that's like some minority report shit with Tom Cruise. Um, <laughs> like... Obviously, nobody's ever going to say, I'm fine with people supporting ISIS. ISIS is bad. ISIS is just as bad as the Nazis were. Um, At the same time, if you were to put a man in a position to not hate the federal government and not support militants, would a federal prison be the system you put him in? So, of course, he fucking supports ISIS. Um, It's in my opinion that there was a miscarriage of justice in the very beginning. Where I can see why he would show hate towards. No one. Now, all right, here's my toss-up here. At no point in John Walker Lynn's life did he sign up to fight Americans. There's no evidence. Could I be wrong? Absolutely. But <laughs> he never once admitted, and there's no evidence ever submitted, that he fought Americans on purpose. Now, he also fought at the same time where American uh, A-10s and, and B-50, you know, whatever, were bombing him. That's a thing. But he signed up to fight the Northern Alliance and Indians. Um, we have Americans, um, and I know we have Canadian listeners, we have Irish re- listeners, we have German listeners, we have Danish listeners. We're international at this point. There's probably more than one person from your country right now that signed up to fight for the, the Peshmerga, the PKK, the YPG, the whatever, YPJ, whatever it may be, to fight ISIS, is solely using an AK-47 or an RPG or an IED overseas. Is that illegal? Because that's what he did. Is mm. it good? Fuck no. No. Donald Walker Lynn's an asshole. And he's going to get out of prison. An asshole. But... 20 fucking years right and the real indictment here is john walker lynn went to afghanistan before we did and he's gonna get out of prison before we get to afghanistan that's the indictment here that's insane yeah um now i'm not saying i'm gonna buy him a fucking beer i hope he gets hit by a car he's a dick he's going to cause problems when he gets out he's not going to be a well-adjusted member of society but that's more of an indictment of our federal prison system than John Walker Lynn as a person. Um, but yeah, that's our topical episode. Now that yeah. everybody's all cheered up and shit. Um, John Walker Lind, if you got a prison, you listen to this podcast. Uh, you go fuck yourself. You worked for the Taliban. The same, yeah, yeah. Uh, you worked for Al Qaeda. We're not your friend. Uh, your dad sounds cool. He had to buy his dad a beer for sure. Yeah. Now that's another thing is um, his parents have been interviewed multiple times since then. 
Uh, and they've said like they're proud of their son. Really? Now I get it. They're like we're proud that our son stood up and fight what he for what he believed in. Troubling, but like that's still on uh, the same note of they're supportive, but was it destructive for them to be supportive? Ah, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's just so weird. I don't know. Um, also known as John Walker Lynn is going to get out of prison in May. And he has Irish citizenship. Yeah, he does. Fuck. Um, so uh, some people have been interested to find out what exactly that means. Um, and that uh, so the Irish Foreign Ministry reached out, I believe is a Fox News article. And they said if somebody presents themselves at the Irish border with an Irish passport, we do not, by law, have a reason to reject them. Mm. But... He's getting out with good time. He's going to begin out with about 17 years. So the U.S. government can actually uh, refuse to allow him to leave the country. And now if I was the U.S. government and he has an Irish passport, I would say it's in our best interest that we let him leave the country to Ireland, right? Get get rid of him. Right. Or he might be able to have a normal life if I was him. Okay. So that might mean if you're listening to us and you live in Ireland, the Republic of, not Northern, uh, John Walkerland might be your neighbor in the next couple months. Mm. Yeah, that's significantly more forgiving than they've ever given any IRA guys. But uh, anyway, that's our show for this week. Nick, so happy to have you back. That's a real asshole of an episode to bring me back on. <laughs> I had to bring you down a peg. You're really, you really happy did. coming up into the room. Yeah, I was like, oh, fuck, we're going to the recording room. We got whiskey. Gonna have a good time. I have a slight cough for some reason. Don't know why. That desert air. And I believe this is the longest episode we've ever done. Is it? Hour 45 minutes. Nice. Um, anyway, uh, thank you so much for um, supporting this show. I believe I told Nick and uh, Rich the other day that uh, I originally started the Patreon to cover our SoundCloud and our drinking habit almost a year ago now. Um, and I was looking for $30 and because of our awesome fans and maybe just a little bit amazing fans. Yeah. Uh, I've had books sent to me. I've had shirts sent to me. I've had booze sent to me. Uh, and you're now at over $400 a month. Still waiting for that pink shirt. Oh, we'll get it. I was told I was going to get, um, but one day. Thank you guys so much. We'll make sure you get bonus episodes out to us. Um, only $1 a month will get you access to everything we have. Uh, $5 a month will get you a free copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar. Ooh, two book plugs yeah. in the episode. Uh, if you don't want to support the show, but you still want a copy of The Hooligans of Kandahar, it's now on Audible and Amazon. And uh, you can follow the can show. We do an episode on your book? Oh, God, I fucking hope not. <laughs> um, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, we're at lines underscore by. If you want to follow me, uh, so today I've been trolling Mussolini's granddaughter's Twitter I account. See that? Oh um, God, that was can, the best thing I could come back to. <laughs> you can follow me at jcast99. You can follow Nick at nickcastm1. Yes. Um, and for all of your other following accounts, we got nothing for you. We'll see you next week. Later.